Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. It calls to you, who the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Andar Ola. My name is Spud Goodman. Spud Goodman. We appreciate you tuning into our little radio program. You know, it's possible one day that you will be able to tell friends and family that. You know, you stumbled upon this this quirky little radio program out of the blue, you know, and 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 now it was it was a national institution on the airwaves. So you could look back and you know and then just say, wow, you know. Then there's just you and a, a handful of others that had even heard of it back in the day. Uh, you know, it's kind of cool to be the first to to like something before just about everyone does, and it becomes kind of not cool. So remember this day when you look back on it down the road, when the Spud Goodman Show was just some funky small-time radio program. I mean, this is possible. I mean, because we have nowhere to go but up, that's for sure. Yeah, so, all right, let, let me introduce our show's designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Give everybody a heartfelt guffaw, if you would. All right. <laughs> Wow. Oh, gosh. I don't know how heartfelt that was, but it's the best I've got right now. It was loud. I think you peaked a little there, but it was it was fine. I mean, you've had better oh, guffaws okay. in the past, okay. but well. it'll, it's, it'll do. And now I must introduce our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, this is your cue to say hello, uh, and, and just let us move on here, all right? So go ahead and acknowledge my acknowledgement. Well, I would be delighted to, as Del- I delight ex- delighted. Come on, yeah, that's a pretty strong word to use. How about going with glad or happy to? You well, know, uh, uh, those would be much more appropriate words to use. Delighted is so pretentious and, frankly, elitist. Yes! Elitist. Yeah. How, how does the word delighted make me an elitist? Well, I mean, I. I, I can't really articulate it. I don't know for sure, but it just it just gives off that vibe. You know, it's well, yeah. When you use that word, it gives that vibe off. Oh, it was a bit over the top, Gerald. Really? A nice pleased to be here. Yeah, would have, that would have sufficed. <laughs> okay, okay. I am pleased to be here, and I am so excited about what's coming up on this episode. Even if you don't know what's scheduled to be on this episode, right? Well, only because you still won't. After all these years, give me a show schedule before we go on the air. I think the reason why is I've just been, like, so unhappy. Because, as I've made clear on many prior occasions, you continue to be a security risk oh. to my intellectual properties. You will continue to be blocked until you can convince me that you can be trusted. And now I must introduce our show's intern chance. Uh, you know, I'm not feeling it as far as reading this copy. Uh, I was given by management, you know, the same old stuff about you being the most 
popular person on the show because just frankly that's old news anyway they, they should do a new listener survey as i bet i would be number one now uh, you know i felt a, a surge of listener support building over the last few weeks come on y'all are you done okay i am chance the show's intern and still the most popular person on the program and spud the latest listener survey was taken last week, so it's very up-to-date. If you take a close look at the numbers, I have increased my popularity. I think by 2.4%. I don't want to give Gerald a big head, but he's about even with you, Spud. Oh, Dorothy, what? of course, is way more popular than both of you combined. Oh, oh no need to put out that information, honey. I have no interest in competing with Spud or Gerald, but I'm so proud of you and your ongoing popularity with the listeners. There are big things in the future for you, babe. That's what I'm being told by our executive producer, Lori. Using this show as a springboard, she thinks that new streaming channel, Chance TV, is going to be huge. I have to prepare for big changes in my life with all the paparazzi that will be surrounding me. It's the price of fame, I guess. Courtney, Chloe. You know, after a show last week, I did see someone in our, you know, studio parking lot shooting stuff. But I don't think one kid, or I don't know how old he was, with, with an iPhone snapping pics of you leaving the building qualifies as being mobbed by the paparazzi. He was, he was actually shooting all sorts of stuff, not just you. I don't know if you saw him, but like that, like the fire hydrant out front, he was doing that, shooting that, and the oak tree near the back of the building, and... I think he shot some pictures of, of a butterfly that was flying around, too. I'm pretty sure, Chance, you were just an afterthought. Well, if that makes you feel a bit less threatened by my popularity, then sure, you're probably right, Spud. Okay. So, what I wanted to bring up was something very important. The love of my life, Dorothy, has written an autobiography, a book about her life, and it's being released tomorrow. She's too hmm. modest to bring it up and plug it, so I'll just do it for her. Everyone needs to look for It Happened to Me by Dorothy Jarvitz. Good! If your favorite bookstore doesn't have it, just ask them to order it. Oh, that's so sweet of you to try and promote my book, but you don't have to do this as I... Oh, uh, hey, Dorothy, you, you never what? told me you wrote a book. Am I in it? I have to ask, I mean, and if so, I would really would have, you know, kind of appreciated the opportunity for my people to approve it prior to publication. I'm just saying. Oh, Spud, number one, you don't have people, and secondly, I don't have to show it to anyone prior to release. But, yes, I did make a few references to you, mostly from your younger years. A couple of incidents when I had to babysit for what? you. Uh, they presented a multitude of challenges, of course, some light and humorous, some very dark. But for the most part, it's all about my life and some of the most interesting incidents I experienced over the years. Uh, Mrs. Jarvitz, can I ask if I am in the book? Oh, no, no, Gerald, you are not. Really? After all these years working together? What's your name, scumbag? Well, I had to self-edit it too myself and and get it under 300 pages so it's not everything or everyone in my life uh that all none of 
those things made it to the final draft. I have read it, and I will say it's one of the greatest books I have ever read. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, with your obsession with hacky sack and video games, how many books do you actually even own? Well, I read books at my community college. I don't really buy them. I get like a synopsis of my required reading from other students on the internet. It's way cheaper than buying them. I will say this, though. Dorothy's book is really long and weighs a lot, too. Oh, and I'm really happy I went with the higher grade paper and a hardback cover. It was pricey, but well worth it. Okay, well, we can talk about this further a little bit later on in the show, as you're my only living aunt, you know. And if, if I can, you know, help promote the thing, I'll do my part. But right now, I need to play some music. So let's lead off with this cut from the Seattle band The Heels. It's titled All or Nothing off their 2013 album Fetish. Here it is. You have a guest waiting to speak with you. I believe his name is Theo Rossi. Do I know who he is? Well, what is the question? Uh, knowing you, probably not. Uh, Theo was on one of my all-time favorite TV shows, Sons of Anarchy. And as oh. everyone knows, I want to have that full cast on this show before I retire. Uh, the same thing with Oz, you know, that was on HBO. 
I'm making progress with both shows. Oh, I know you have this intense interest in that Sun show about bikers that used yeah. to be on. I just don't get it because you are not a biker, Spud. It doesn't make sense to me. It's jack what you're saying. That's because you've never seen it. So, so well. don't go judging me for my love of that show. Anyway, Theo has a new movie out now with Aubrey Plaza uh, that looks really interesting. Aubrey who? Just, just put Theo through, please. You, very well. But I hope that you never buy one of those big, loud Harley Davidson motorcycles. Those are for outlaws, Spud. Hey, Gerald, I ride a Harley Sportster, and I'm no outlaw. Oh, here he is. Say hello to actor Theo Rossi. Uh, thanks a lot for checking in with us, man. Thanks, bud. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, uh, I got to say I'm a big fan of your work on Sons of Anarchy. Great stuff. But you have a new movie out now in theaters. Uh, Emily the Criminal starring Aubrey Plaza and you. Uh, I should say I'm all yep. in on any project uh, with Aubrey. And, and you're in it, too. So I'm going to be catching this one soon. Give us the basics of the film, if you would. Yeah. Uh, Aubrey's the greatest. I can't stress that enough. Uh, she truly is one of the best people working in this business in every single aspect and the movie Emily the Criminal is uh, basically her character Emily is in the gig economy you know basically what a lot of people are doing now mm -hmm. she's strapped with about 70,000 in school loans she's just trying to get ahead she can't see the you know the sun through the fog everything seems pretty dire she gets turned on to this dummy shopping credit card fraud world and which is led by my character, Yusuf. And in that, she starts diving into this criminal underworld. And when your back's against the wall, when you're in this criminal underworld, you start to reveal who you truly are. And not just her, but also my character, because they take a liking to each other. Mm -hmm. And you start to really go on this journey with these two. And it's just like a ride. It's a true ride, and Emily is one of those characters that says a lot of things that a lot of us feel, and then Yusuf is just there on this ride with her, and they're both kind of in it, and they're in it, and they have to, you know, overcome many obstacles together, so it's a fun ride. All right. Always. Super. All right. Um, well, you know, we had, we had a friend of yours and cast member of Sons on uh, Kim Coates recently, not that long ago. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. He, he, said yeah. He, he said he still rides with you occasionally, and uh, he also said you two were one of the few who actually knew how to ride before the first episode. Is that correct? This is, this is definitely true. I had a license. I was not nearly as good as a rider as him. Bobby Elvis was one of the best riders mm -hmm. before it. Um, Kim and I are still as close as two people could be, uh, mainly me and all the guys from the show. I'm about to see a bunch of them tomorrow in uh, Canada, Jax and Opie and uh, Alvarez and everybody. And, um, you know, we're, we just stayed really, really close. That was an incredible experience. It was eight years of our lives. And, um, you know, it was a show that changed all of our lives. And uh, Tig is... Uh, He's the greatest. He's absolutely insane, and I love it. 
Right. Well, you know, I, I have said on the show that I want to eventually have on all the cast members of Sons, you know, and uh, now I can check you off the list because so far, you know, we've had yeah. on, and I'm going to make this really quick, uh, Ron Perlman, Drea DeMatteo, De Harold Perrineau, Perrineau, Ryan Hurst, Emilio Rivera, Taryn Manning, Kim Coates, and you. I have about 50 or 60 more to go because that was a huge, wow. huge cast. Did you, did you guys have to, wear, cast. Yeah, yeah. Did you have to wear name tags at table reads? Be, you got to get Jack, Maggie, Sif, Katie Sig- you gotta get you gotta get that those three on there. That would be a fun one. I don't know That'd if I'm gonna live that long, man. You guys. Anyway, all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Well. You know, you were born on Staten Island, uh, as you know, by the way, um, yeah, and, and you sure. now live in Austin, Texas. What would well, be the born in, born in Brooklyn? Oh, born Brooklyn. In Brooklyn and lived in Staten Island. Okay, am I yeah, correct yeah. that record? Yeah. So my question is, what would be the number one difference between these two areas to live in? Staten Island and what area? Austin. What, what area am I Austin. It to? You're living in Austin. So. Austin? Yeah. Oh, man. The, uh, yeah, I live in Austin. Uh, the big difference would be um, the space, the the, uh, the 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 air quality. Uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm sitting here right now, probably about five to seven feet from a sleeping fawn next to me on the ranch. We're in uh, definitely not having that on Staten Island. Uh, this little fawn is sleeping right next to me and not even moving, uh, yeah. just chilling and eating the grass. So it's uh, it's a very different uh, life in every way. Oh, okay. Well, they, both those areas, uh, well, at least, uh, like, uh, they have great music, I was going to say, but anyway, all right. Amazing music. But, uh, you know, Staten Island has the greatest food ever. The food is incredible. Austin has some really good food, too. Austin has the best live music. Yes. Um, Staten Island has, uh, you know, there is nothing like growing up in Staten Island in the 80s. It was very stand by me, you know, Goonies style, you know, uh, life. And, um, and, I, and my access of skateboarding in Manhattan all the time is something that is something I'll never forget. And it was incredible. But at this point in my life, being here in Austin is really beautiful right yeah i was saying with staten island just a quick ferry ride and you got the best music in the world too. but anyway all right well um oh yeah in, in 2016 you entered the, the marvel cinematic universe co-starring in luke cage on netflix you played herman shades alvarez how tough was it to come home yeah. from work after a day you know hanging out with superheroes a, a bit of a letdown dealing with taking out the recycling and emptying the dishwasher <laughs> well you know definitely uh, a, a different life um, I was just at that time having my first you know my first son was born and, and uh, a very different coming home from being a, 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 a super villain to coming home and, uh, and, and being a super villain on the diapers and, and all that yeah it was very different uh, listen that show was so incredible and I loved that character and I love Shades and uh, it was really fun to shoot that in Brooklyn and to be living in New York at the time. We were actually living on Staten Island and uh, yeah, what, what, a, what, a, what a great time it was. All right. Well, in 2021, you were in the Netflix series True Story, uh, starring Kevin Hart. You you played a super fan of, of Kevin's character. It kind of had a Rupert Pupkin kind of vibe. A uh, lesson for all of us to be learned is never piss off a super fan. They don't take it well, right? I love that you said that. So Rupert Pupkin's my favorite character probably ever portrayed on film. Uh. He was a tremendous foundation for uh, Gene, for behind-the-scenes Gene. So I'm so glad you said that, and um, and I'm glad you saw that. 
And yeah, you know, listen, uh, some people, you know, um, especially in the world we are today where the phone becomes an extension of your arm, you kind of get lost in the world of celebrity. And, you know, Gene was just one of those people that just kind of got lost in in uh, in the belief system of the way things might have been. So, yeah, you don't. I, but listen, Gene was a good guy, but you, you, you definitely don't want to get caught in, uh, in that in his web. Of right. World. Right. Excuse me, Spud. What? Well, I was wondering if you feel a void in your life when you've spent so many years in cable TV and now radio and you've never had a super fan of your own that followed your every move day to day like other figures in the entertainment industry have to deal with. I guess it's a relief, but still, you must feel kind of rejected. Ah, uh, Theo, just a sec. You don't know if I've never had a super fan harassing me. I would not share that information with you or the public. D don't for a second think that I don't make some people want to harass me. Right. Okay. Well, from our ratings and the information from our listener surveys, it just doesn't seem like you've generated the kind of interest, you know, to motivate someone to be totally consumed by you. Yeah, maybe our intern Chance here would, as according to the same information, he is extremely popular. Nowadays, I do get the occasional stalker. It comes with the territory. Yeah, don't believe everything you read, man. Just, just because no one has threatened to kidnap me or something doesn't mean that no one cares about me, okay? Absolutely. I, I must be mistaken. You go ahead and finish up your interview with Theo. I will. Okay, I'm back. Well, let me close with this. Away from showbiz, you work with many agencies that, that help veterans with PTSD. What got you into this uh, volunteer effort? Anything that can use a spotlight, uh, you know, anything that uh, I've never really understood, you know, the, the veterans who are out, you know, they come back. And I've always been a big believer of, you know, when they come back, we give back. You know, I think mm -hmm. that they're doing something that others are choosing not to do. And they're doing that on behalf of, you know, and this goes for every country in the world. The people who are out doing that are doing that to make others safe. So to me, whatever I can do to make their life easier when they come back, I'm going to do it. All right. Well, thank you for your efforts. Okay. Well, I know you got to get going. So let me say again that you have a new yeah. movie out now in theaters, Emily the Criminal, yeah. starring Aubrey Plaza and you. Yeah. So just thanks so much for coming on our show. Oh, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right, Mr. Theo Rossi. The excitement continues on the Spud Goodman Radio Show following this brief intermission.
We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. So, can we get back to plugging Dorothy's book? All those copies sitting in boxes won't sell themselves. Someone has to get the word out about it. Don't be so overly dramatic about it. Isn't uh, your publisher handling everything, Aunt Dorothy? Uh, I know the drill is I myself have plugged so many freaking books, you know, by celebrities over the years on this show. Some of them, I know... Probably kind of sucked. I mean, I didn't read them. I don't read most of them, but I have to kind of, yeah, anyway. But but I, most of the time I just have to fake like I'm interested, you know? The least I could do for you is to fake I'm interested in your book too, you know? Well, I had to self-publish my book. Sure, I would have loved to have a publisher and let them handle everything, but unfortunately, none of the publishing houses I sent the manuscript to indicated they were interested. Most of them said a person had to be famous before they would publish an autobiography. That is messed up, yo. Well, that sounds very unfair, Mrs. Jarvitz. You know, right. I, I too plan to someday write my autobiography. I've always assumed I would be quite famous before I sat down in front of my typewriter to pound out my life typewriter. story. So uh, I know you must be disappointed. Oh, not really. Going this route has given me complete control over all aspects of the book, right down to the cover. Chance did a great job shooting the picture for it. I am quite skilled with the camera. These days, my mom has me take all the family photos at activities to post on Facebook. My dad used to always do this, but in the last few years, his hands have started to shake a bit. He says it's not from drinking, but my mom disagrees. Anyway, I am the go-to photographer now for my family. Seriously? Oh, you know, I take all the family photos in the Holcomb family. Uh, I have quite the eye for photography. And even if I get some big New York City publisher to put out my book, I think I will take my own cover shot of me. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll use a timer on my phone, set it up, and then hurry to get in place before it clicks. You know, it may look like just a, a low-end flip phone that I have, but... I've heard the jokes about it around the studio, but it's really good for taking pictures. That's ridiculous. Uh, good to know. So, Aunt Dorothy, uh, what, what do you need me to do to help with your you know, book release to promote this thing? Well, it did cost a bit to put this thing out. So, yes, I would appreciate anything you could do to get the word out. I was told that it will take me selling around 5,000 books to break even. That would be nice to see. Well, why don't you share one of the most, like, juicy or, you know, maybe the most controversial moment in the book, you know, or want something, I don't know, toss something out right now, but not in not any of the babysitting stories involving me, if, if yeah, I, I'd rather not go there on my own radio show. Stop being weak! Well, I know writing about controversial incidents are a big part of selling books yes, these days. Yes, they are, sure, sure. I tried to the very best I could to come up with a few to meet this need. I guess it'll be up to our readers to indicate whether I cleared that bar. Oh, well, you have a bunch of juicy stuff in your book, Dorothy. Some of the incidents even made me blush when I read about them. Go ahead and pick one. Uh, how about the story when you went to an underwater demolition school? You're the only woman in the class, right? Yes, I was. I believe it was in 1964, and I had just graduated with my B.A. in architectural design. 
It was then I decided to concentrate on structural demolition, both on land and underwater. Uh, That was a real challenge, dealing with all the guys testing me as far as how tough I was. They were pretty disgusting at times. And then you wonder why some people don't like me, folks. (laughs) Yeah, uh, you know, my mom told me you were a real badass when you were younger, uh, obviously that was an understatement. You were, you were, t- you know, totally unafraid of anything. That's what she told me. And, uh, can I, let me just hit you with this. Is that why you're not freaking out now about your upcoming marriage to our intern chance here? Uh, Cause if anything could make you wet your pants, that would be the thing to break you. Our upcoming wedding day will be the happiest day of my life. Becoming the wife of the best man I ever met. I am such a lucky woman. Really? You're sticking with that, huh? Yes. Spud, both you and my mom continue to question our love. One day you'll both look back and regret doubting our relationship. Or I'll be able to say, I told you so when the divorce papers are signed. Yes. Hey, uh, Mrs. Jarvitz, how many years were you a demolitions technician? That sounds like a very exciting career. Oh, I retired from that position after 29 years, but I also had other side gigs. That's what they call it these days, right? Yeah. I did a variety of other things over the years, some that will surprise the readers, I think. Like, I was a rodeo clown for a few summers in the 80s. I took vacation time each year to do this. Oh, and what a rush that was. Are you serious? I had no idea you were once a rodeo clown. How come I didn't hear about it? Well, I chose to keep that one quiet in the family, as I didn't want to hear from everyone how dangerous it was. And yes, it got pretty hairy at times. I was very fortunate not to suffer any serious injuries. Well, you know, I once was a dog walker in college, uh, you know, to pick up some spending money. And a few of the dogs were pretty lively, very hard to control on a leash. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Okay, I want to hear more about your book, Aunt Dorothy, as I learned a lot about you that I never knew. Uh, But right now, we need to bring on our next guest. Can somebody uh, put it through, please? Spud, your next guest, Tom Hopper, is holding for you. Now, who is Tom Hopper? Is he one of those rappers? All right, I don't want to, like, really sound stupid when I do this (laughs) show today. No, he is an actor who has been in a lot of successful shows, like Game of Thrones, Black Sails, and The Umbrella Academy. Are any of those on CBS? I I don't believe Rachel and I have run across these programs. No, they're not on network TV. Jeez. How do you survive on that junk you watch? I mean, how, how many shows about lawyers, doctors, and forensic detectives can you stomach? Oh. Both my wife and I enjoy shows about doctors, lawyers, and detectives. I mean, what else is there to make a show about? The Masturbation Network, keeping America baiting for 300 years. I I guess you could toss in shows about large families, too. Uh, I've offered many times to pay for HBO, Showtime, and Stars for you. It it would make me very happy knowing that you, you won't go to your grave without seeing like a decent TV show or movie. Oh. And you know, I could never agree to that offer. The Holcombs are proud people. We don't accept charity. And we could afford to have all those fancy channels too, but we have no interest in watching 
naked people having sexual intercourse outside of marriage and other inappropriate behavior. And I said, like, whale sharks. I'm like, oh, that must mean a whale and a shark have sex. No, thank you. All right. It's your loss. Uh, just put Tom through. Here he is. Say hello to actor Tom Hopper. We appreciate you coming on our show. Yeah. yeah, super. Uh, so you have a new movie out on Netflix, Love in the Villa, opposite Cat Graham. Uh, I take it she's in the villa with you uh, in Verona, Italy. Uh, tough working conditions, huh? Yeah, I know, right? I mean, talk about a selling point to do a movie. It was, um, I mean, I'd never been to Verona. I've been to Italy a few times, but I did this movie and was like, how have I not been here before? Like, Because, I mean, I live in the UK, so going to Italy is not too difficult as well. But Verona is just in, an incredible city, and it lives up to its reputation. You know, it really is a, a very, very romantic city. Um, I've put it up there in, you know, top three romantic cities I've, I've ever been to. It's, it's really beautiful. Oh, I can only imagine. Uh, so so you, you were born in England, and you still reside there. Is that correct? I do, yeah. Um, I've lived kind of all over, you know, obviously with, with shooting in various different uh, countries in the world, but uh, yeah, uh, home base is, is England. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, you're a pretty big guy. Like what, six five? Because um, uh, that you are. You're 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 pretty pretty tall. So uh, here's my yeah, question. Yeah, six five. Yeah. Um, well, you've played some characters who were able to physically handle themselves, such as when you starred in the 2014 film Northman, of a Viking saga. You were pretty badass in that one. So my, I was wondering, do you spend, have to spend a lot of time in the gym for those kind of roles? Um, yeah, you do. You know, there's a consistency element to training and everything. Uh, for me, working out, and like that's a big part of my life anyway, always has been, because... For, for health reasons as well as mm-hmm. uh, working out for movies and stuff but th- that was kind of in the period of when I was doing Black Sales as well so I'd kind of done a lot of research into to diet and what a, what a massive change that can make if you get the diet right um, but also for, I mean Northman was like crazy because it was a really intense physical shoot so oh, yeah. we actually had to be in really great shape. All the lads on that on that movie, and and Charlie actually, um, who played the, the the female role in that. Everyone was like in the gym every day. Like we were we were in the gym at like four a.m. A lot of us um, doing workouts before going to shoot for the day, and then we'd be doing because that movie's an on the run movie, right? So we're being chased the entire time. So we were sprinting all day. So we were we were in mad shape for that movie. Um, so yeah it's great when you you get to kind of you know all the work that you put in in the gym actually counts on set 4 a.m. man that that's 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 intense in, in my world but all right well uh yeah, i was gonna say you seem to handle a sword quite well too you know, when you were on game of thrones in season seven where do you practice those kind of skills it's not you don't do it like at a ymca or 24-hour fitness it's, it's, it's uh, tough to do in public yeah, I mean, the thing is with, with sword school, I mean, I, I went to a drama school here in the UK and that, that's kind of like a big part of like the training, it's fight training. So you, you kind of learn fundamentals of fight training um, like quite early on in your training. But 
then after that, it's just it's this kind of experience. I've been very fortunate to do, you know, a few jobs that um, have put me in the deep end with the sword, sword fighting, and I, I love it. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Alright, alright. Well, in 2018, you co-starred with Amy Schumer in I Feel Pretty. Kind of a departure for then for, from a lot of the action stuff you were doing. Was that role a lot easier to prepare for? Uh, I saw it and there were no sword fights or major brawls. I mean, it was rom-com, kinda. Yeah, so when you do a, like, that, that was the biggest kind of wake-up call for me, when you do a rom-com in comparison to any of this other stuff um, that requires, you know, armor or in umbrella academy like a massive muscle suit or chain mail and stuff it's uh it's quite nice walking into your dressing room and there's just a pair of jeans and a t-shirt <laughs> it's it's like you always feel like oh right i don't know who i am here now i feel like too much like me i've got to figure out who my character is because the thing is when you put on these crazy costumes you immediately change your physicality mm-hmm. because you, you 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 have to do less and less work you know so uh yeah it's it's, it's a nice feeling when you go to work and you just got to wear a jeans and t-shirt. Okay, well, uh, you know, in 2019, you, you starred in the Netflix series The Umbrella Academy uh, that continues to be hugely popular. Uh, it was renewed for season four to be released in 2023, correct? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So we're, we're shooting season four um, through next year. Okay, um, well. So it's the fourth and final season, so everything will come to an end in some way whether the world will finally end or not I don't know <laughs> we actually don't save the world this time alright well your character Luther uh, injected a serum derived from a gorilla uh, t- turning your upper body into a non-human gorilla now that was original as I've never seen that before uh, is that a challenging character to play in terms of the physicality yeah I mean it, it, the first season was was quite unique really for me because I'd never been put in a costume like that and what it ended up becoming really was part of Luther he when I put on the suit um, he's more you know he's very awkward in that in that body so it, it made it actually a lot easier to kind of play a lot of the, the nuances that Luther has uh, and also elements of physical comedy that Luther has because he's so massive he doesn't fit through doors always and you know it makes it quite difficult for him so uh, yeah, it actually kind of became part of the performance, really, having that suit on. Uh, Spud? Yes? If, if I could jump in here, who would ever allow themselves to be injected with a, what, serum to make the upper half of their body like a gorilla? Now, I know those bodybuilders like Arnold Schwarzenegger took some kind of substances, uh, like uppers or, or, or pep pills or something, to help them get really big. But a gorilla serum? That, that's just wrong. Tom, I need a moment here. Dude, The Umbrella Academy is a TV show on Netflix. Are, are you even paying attention during this interview? Well... I, I might have dozed off momentarily, but I did hear that Tom was injected with gorilla serum, and, and that's just not healthy, Spud. Yeah, okay, good, good to know you're concerned. The world already has to deal with those tiny transistor monitors that Bill Gates put into that vaccine for COVID. You know, thank goodness I just said no to that effort to make me a remote-controlled robot. I think you would have been more useful to the show if you said yes, Gerald. 
I don't even have time to address your QAnon madness, dude. Uh, just, just some other time. Just zip it and let me finish this up with Tom. Okay, I have returned. Well, away from showbiz, I got to ask you this, Wool, because uh, you you work all the time, it seems. That's my uh, look at it. Uh, what do you do for fun and relaxation? Any interesting activities? Anything unusual at all? Uh, yeah, I'm really into my uh, martial arts. Like I do a lot of kickboxing, I do a bit of jujitsu. Um, I love to play with my kids. It's one of my favorite things to do is spend time with my family, my family and my world. It's why I do what I do. Um, it's so I can, you know, have chunks. Of, you know, I go up and make a movie or a TV show or whatever, and then it allows me to spend some time with my family. Um, so I love doing that. Um, doing lots of activities like you know lots of outdoorsy stuff i love you know occasionally go skiing motorcycle riding i'm into my motorbike um so i'm always finding another motorcycle trip to go on so yeah everything that i you know try and uh, get out into nature as much as possible and and then also like you're really into my my wellness i do a lot of cooking um always trying to make like healthy dishes and stuff taste way better than they're traditionally known to be um so yeah, just, just things to try and live life to the fullest, man. Yeah, so it sounds like you're doing a damn good job of it. All right. Um, okay, well, I, I know you got to scoot, so let me remind everyone that your new movie, Love in the Villa, is now streaming on Netflix. Uh, thanks a bunch for checking in with us. No, of course, man. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you. All right, there you have it, Mr. Tom Hopper. guest tom papa is waiting to speak with you okay tom is a big time stand-up comedian and is out touring the country now he also has a radio show on sirius xm what a joke with papa and fortune oh uh spud that's the station you've said you want to be on someday right excellent uh, it's not really a radio station. It's it's a satellite radio channel, and yeah, it, it would be great. I mean, geez, I mean, think about it. Even Pitbull has a show on Sirius, so I just I just don't understand why the suits there won't take my calls. Maybe they only hire people that audiences like. That's always been your Achilles heel career-wise, from what I've been told. I don't know. Just put Tom through. Please welcome comedian, actor, and radio host Tom Papa. Thanks for checking in with us. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, super. How, how is the uh, Sirius XM show, What a Joke with Papa and Fortune, going? You must have a fairly busy schedule while still doing, you know, stand-up dates around the country. Yeah, we, um, we've been doing that show for three years now, which is so crazy to think about. We just, um, you know, I was asked by the people at uh, Netflix if we would do this radio show that was just kind of like a, a little home base for comedians and I asked Fortune Themester to host it with me because I just she's just one of those people that always makes me laugh and 
we just knew that we'd have a good rapport, and we just decided, yeah, let's do it. And now we're three years later, and we, we've, I think we've pulled it off. I think we really are like this little oasis for comedy. You know, we have had comedians from like Gaffigan and Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld down to people who are just starting out and starting the tour, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun for sure. Well, speaking of radio, you worked on the successor uh, to the legendary uh, show, Prairie Home Companion, live from here. That must have been a tough act to follow. Yeah, that was that was really an honor more than anything. And I, I you know, it's it's a weird thing because I, I held it in such high regard, I think more than even most of the fans. I just loved Garrison Keillor so much and that Prairie Home Companion. Like when I discovered that as a kid, I just couldn't believe his writing and his his eloquence and he's so prolific and and funny and that i got to like stand at the fitzgerald theater in the same spot that he would do the news from lake wobegon and i was up there like doing my own little funny essays uh yeah it, it really was an honor well, on the show, you know, we've been discussing writing an autobiography, you know, making sure our life story is recorded forever. You wrote a book titled You're Doing Great. How was that experience for you? It was really great. That was my that was my second book, and I just handed in my third. Oh, wow. And I, I really, truly, truly love it. I think, uh, like, sitting down and writing, it, it's just, uh, it's very therapeutic. I like it. It's, um... It's, they definitely are a little more autobiographical. They're a little bit of, they're not memoirs, but I can't help but, like in my stand-up, you know, some of it's, you know, personal and real, and then, of course, you exaggerate and go off into other directions, and I do truly, truly love it. I think, it, but it's weird, because as a comedian, we always write and then go share it with the public, and writers write, and they just stay, they're more insular. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like you're kind of a little more isolated. Yeah. So I'm kind of in this, I'm kind of like living in two different worlds in a way. But I think if you can continue to write when you're old and gray and no one wants to come uh, see you or you can't travel anymore, you could always you could always still write your comedy and push it out that way. Uh, good point. I just wrote that down. All right. Well, um, well, in 2010, you hosted a game show for NBC, The Marriage Ref, produced by Jerry Seinfeld, a show that featured real spouses presenting their side in a disagreement. You served as the actual ref, making the call on who was in the right. Did you ever get booed or yelled at by contestants after the show was over? <laughs> no, but what would happen, one time I was, uh, I would have people on the street asking me to help them. Like one time I was at Yankee Stadium, and some guy yelled in the back, Hey, Papa! Hey, Papa! Tell my wife she's wrong. <laughs> I was like, I don't know your wife. He's like, she's wrong. <laughs> Excuse me, Spud. What? Well, who in the world thought having a marriage ref was a good idea? I mean, that sounds so wrong. A husband in his role as the head of the family should never allow an outside party to challenge his authority. Tom, uh, j- just a sec. Dude, you can blame Jerry Seinfeld if you want. It was it was just a TV show, so chill out. Well, but it sent the wrong message to couples that a so-called ref could step in and overrule a husband in a disagreement. How, how could a marriage withstand that sort of interference? 
Well, as we both know, your wife Rachel is the ref, umpire, and chief justice in the Holcomb household. Uh, I, I think you might be overreacting here. The, the power structure in most families these days is, you know, women know best. Yeah, they do. If I had accepted that basic fact years ago, I'd still be married. Let's face it, they're way smarter than guys. You're spot on with that, Spud. Oh, Spud, you're mistaken on who is the decision maker in my family. The world has certain rules that have been around for centuries, so there's no use trying to challenge them. Just let me get back to Tom, please. Hi, I have returned. Um, during the long, you know, lock, lockdown that uh, that we all endured, uh, was it difficult for you being away from live audiences as a stand-up? How did you keep your skills sharp? Yeah, it was it was difficult for sure. I mean, in one way, it was a needed break that I think all comedians like we we ne- we were always touring, we always worked really hard, we're always doing shows. The only thing that would have given us the break was something like that. So it was kind of like you got to catch your breath for a minute, but then quickly realized this is who we are. So I would do anything I could to just keep performing. I would snuck off to like Denver and Salt Lake City, and they were doing like shows with like a quarter capacity. Um, and I just was trying to any way that I could do it, like an outdoor show or a Zoom show, anything mm-hmm. that could kind of keep me in my head of like, no, this is going to be okay. We're going to come back. I'm still a comedian. <laughs> I still can tell jokes. That was really important for my own sanity. Right, right, yeah. Well, looking back at your career, uh, I was I was just curious about this. You, you did the VHS series, I love the 70s, I love the 80s, and I love the 90s. So to pin you down, if you had to pick one, what decade did you, did you really love? Oh, man. Um... You know, I do, now that we have, like, the distance from it, I thought, like, when I was younger, I might say the 80s, but it's really the 90s. I think the 90s are really proving that it was, like, a, it was kind of an innocent time, but a very artistic time. You know, the the bands were so great. Heck yeah. It definitely, there was, like, this youthful, artistic emergence that was really special to be a part of. And uh, so, yeah, I'll stick with the 90s. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on that. All right. Well, I know you got a scoot, so thanks a bunch for coming on our show. Please, thanks for having me. All right. All right. There you have it, Mr. Tom Papa. My, how time flies. And Dorothy, if you want, I can do like an announcement for like maybe a two for one sale with the, with your book sometimes companies come up with all sorts of deals when you know when something first comes on the market mm, no that won't be necessary i didn't okay. write my autobiography to make money it was to document my life my legacy i think i've lived a life that someone out there will find interesting and hopefully i'll inspire them to break down barriers themselves i know you've inspired me dorothy before I met you, I was thinking of maybe becoming a professional video game player or own some business. You know, where a lot of people work for me, but now I've broadened my career aspirations. Who knows what I'll one day become? There are no limits now in my mind. What are you people? On dope? 
there probably should be some limits to your career dreams chance. I mean, uh, I think nuclear physicist or even tugboat captain are kind of out. Let's be real here. Oh, I think Chance could one day become a tugboat captain. You know, if you went to trade school to learn how to be one, it's a long shot, but who knows? Well, the world awaits what my Chance will bring to the table once he decides what he wants to do career-wise. He still has time. Maybe a year or two after he graduates from community college, he'll have a better grasp on what profession to pursue. Don't you think, babe? Yeah. I think I want to take a gap year or two before I begin to actually work at a real job. That's so hot. Uh, Spud, Trevor is saying we have a caller holding who wants to speak with you. Uh, Should I have him put it through? Yeah, I mean, we are supposed to take at least one call per show. That's um, the memo I keep getting each week for management. So, yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, Caller, you're on the air. Okay, awesome. Hey, I was uh, changing stations and kind of stumbled onto your show. Uh, I'm driving to my mom's house right now. No worries. Yeah. I have blue. Yeah, well, I, I wasn't worried, but okay. So what's on your mind? Well, I heard the lady on your show is releasing a new book, and yeah. I think she's a relative of yours, right? Yeah, she's my uh, aunt. She's my aunt. Yeah, I too am a self-published author, and I've written 11 books so far, and I have a a couple solid tips for her. Well, you know, from what I've heard, uh, uh, you know, it's it's kind of expensive uh, to self-publish a book. My aunt has kind of hinted that it costed her a pretty penny. Uh, I know she's not going to tell me how much she blew on this, but I, I... I can guess presents at Christmas this year are going to be a little scaled back. What the hell, yo? Oh, I guess you'll just have to wait and see, Spud. Yep. Hey, it's really not cheap, but can you really put a price tag on the value of sharing one's wisdom with the world? I myself know I was placed on the earth to share my gift of the written word with those who are so ill-informed. Uh... I try to fill in the information gap that so many are dealing with. Uh, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, well, okay, what, what, what kind of books do you put out? Like, I don't know, how-to manuals or something? Or? Oh, no. Hey, I write books about God and religion. There's a huge market for this topic. You would be surprised. There are all kinds of perversions. Uh, caller, this is Gerald Holcomb, and I'm not surprised that God is a pretty darn popular topic. Uh, besides writing my autobiography someday, I've also given thought to writing a book about my relationship with God. He and I are best friends, uh, so to speak. We communicate daily. Shut up. My wife, Rachel, though, has not given me the go-ahead yet to self-publish any book right now. She said, maybe after our youngest, Dwight, gets his braces off uh, in a couple years. Yeah, I understand, uh, Gary, but, you know, sometimes in life you got to make choices. Like, both my ex-wives were not on board with my calling, being an author, and I don't think... Either of them ever read one word in any of my books. All I ever heard was, stop wasting our savings on, get this, quote unquote, your vanity project. Those were really hurtful words. Well, what is the question? 
Yeah, I don't blame them. But anyway, uh, they, they had to have a point because, you know, if you well, think about I it. I know I would never stand in the way of the love of my life, Dorothy, following her heart and sharing her life with everyone in a book. Unless after our wedding, it would cost so much money that we wouldn't be able to afford important stuff like high-speed internet, all the good streaming channels, and going out to eat a few times a week. Otherwise, I fully support her in this activity. Well, thank you, sweetie. I didn't put my or our finances in jeopardy with this book. It really wasn't that expensive, if everyone wants to know. I think it will be around $4,000. Four grand for printing some books? Uh, do, they, do they at least throw in any free bookmarks? You know, you know, when I check out a book from the library, I've been told to never, ever again fold over a page where I leave off. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess there have been like complaints about the books I've returned over the years. Too many dog-eared pages, they say. But, you know, I, I guess it, I don't know. The word is it wrecks the experience, you know, of, for other people reading the book. So what I'm trying to say here is bookmarks would be a nice, you know, gift to give the people in your life, you know? Deal or no deal. Uh, well, I don't think the publishing company offers those, but I will put it on your wish list for Christmas. Oh, no, no, please don't do that. I mean, a bookmark <laughs> as a Christmas gift is worse than underwear or socks. Uh, caller. Can I ask if you've been successful as an author? Uh, you know, have you sold a lot of books? And can you give me any helpful information that I can bring up with my wife? I, I know I have at least three or four great books in me. I just need to get her go-ahead. Uh, more like a couple mediocre pamphlets at best, dude. Hey, caller, I gotta go. Uh, good luck with your author hobby thing. Before I do let you go, though, can I ask if you live in your car right now? You know, I've been close to that a few times myself, and and I know times are tough. There are, there are a lot of people out there who have had some bad luck and are forced to do so. But what I'm picking up is you're not a guy that's had bad luck. You're just a guy that, you know, just might might have made some really dumb decisions, you know, and uh, because there's no way people are ever going to buy any of your books from what I can pick up. You know, I'm just saying, uh, yeah. You know what I mean. Oh, come on. I I got to tell you, I've sold more than a few books. And no, I do not live in my car. Uh, right now, uh, I'm in between apartments. So I stay with my mom uh, just for now. Yeah, okay, whatever. I just, just was kidding. All right, well, someone dumped this guy because I got to close the show. Hey, I... I uh, yeah. Um, okay, <clears throat> I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Uh, caller, caller, if you are still listening, email me here at the station. I have some more questions about this sub, uh, self-publishing thing. Uh, you should just go for it and start pumping out those books you mentioned. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure your wife will understand, you know? And, mm. and if not, well, that, that's what lawyers are for. All right, I'm out of here later. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I'll probably just keep this on the back burner for now. Bye.
The Spud Goodman Show was written and directed by Spud Goodman, executive producer Lori Madsen, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions, engineered by Trevor Jastad, and recorded at the facilities of NWCZ Radio, associate producer TJ Pites, video director Jason W. Young of Random Whispers Studios, production assistants Brian Martin and Chance Morrison, original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon, on-air talent Rob McGee, David Deere, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan, copyright 2022 Spud Goodman Productions, David Brenneman speaking. <laughs>